This is Amplify Women on X-Ray FM. I'm your host, Nina Dabit. I'm X-Ray's development manager and co-coordinator of today's 12-hour teach-in in celebration of International Women's Day. Amplify Women is a time to bring conversations centering women into sharper focus, with particular attention to BIPOC, trans, queer, immigrant, poor, working class, and disabled women. Between now and 7 p.m., you'll be hearing some of Portland's most impactful community leaders, educators, activists, artists, and professionals tell their stories to educate, empower, and inspire change. As part of today's programming, I'll be talking with Zaji Cox, a writer, poet, and dancer right here in Portland. Zaji, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate just being a guest on this. I feel like this is a really excellent platform for people to talk and share everything. So yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it. Well, we're really glad to have you. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, I'm a writer and a dancer. I actually was a competitive gymnast before I was a dancer for I think about seven years from age like seven to 14. And then I decided to shift over into dance because I really like that type of expression and being able to just kind of like move around a bit more like outside of the world of competition and everything like that. So yeah, I've been doing that for over 10 years, I would say. And yeah, and then I started writing basically since I was nine. I think that was when I <laughs> wrote my first short story. And yeah, I've just been kind of doing like artistically, mainly writing and dance. I've just been trying to find more ways to like combine the two. Also, that's kind of a new venture for me. Yeah. So that's kind of what I've been working on lately too. What does combining the two look like? Yeah. So it's interesting. It's a interesting process for me right now. I'm learning about it as I'm trying it, but a lot of the projects I've been working on are basically making dance videos, especially right now because of weird COVID times. <laughs> so like less performance in-person opportunities right right now anyway, but they're dance video projects. So I would basically record my voice reading a poem that I've written and then dub that over a video of me dancing. Usually it's in nature. I find that nature like weaves its way into my writing a lot of the time. So yeah, that's kind of what that looks like in terms of like video projects. And then once I get more into like doing in-person performance. I'm still kind of trying to figure that out. I'm, I did one like virtual Zoom performance where I read a piece and then dance my interpretation of it afterwards. I read a piece about my mixed race heritage and then I danced what I felt like was a, I guess, a physical embodiment of that theme, if that makes sense. <laughs> Yeah. So that's kind of what it looks like. It sounds like COVID has definitely been hard. No surprise there on anybody's front, but that's really impressive that you're also doing video work in that. I think you're underplaying how much work it is to also do video production within all of that. So you clearly found that creativity and artistic expression is your passion. It's your thing. How'd you get into this space and what experiences shape your work? Like I said, my background was in gymnastics and my sister actually, she was my coach for a lot of my years in gymnastics. And she was a large part of my inspiration to get into the artistic world. She had started out doing like belly dancing and like fusion dance, like combining that with a bunch of different styles and a lot of different like cultural influences. Um in her dance styles and things like that. And so I thought that was really cool to like be exposed to all of those different types of like world dance and world music and things like that. Um, and then getting more into the writing community too, um, especially here in Portland, just being exposed to everyone and all these different types of expressions as well, meeting new people at events and things like that, trying to step out of <laughs> 
not to say something that's said a lot, but stepping out of my comfort zone, <laughs> doing things like that, just being more exposed to things, basically, just how I've been kind of easing my way more into the world of both writing and dance. And I've just been really enjoying branching out more and doing more things and kind of trying to form my own way of expressing myself through writing and through dance. I used to dance with a ballet company in New Mexico, and then I moved back to Portland and I danced with a contemporary company, modern contemporary here in Portland. That's kind of where my training and base started out. So now I'm starting to do more solo stuff in terms of dance. And then in writing, I got my bachelor's in English at Portland State. And so I was exposed to a lot of great teachers and classmates and workshops there. So yeah, trying to do a lot of varied backgrounds, things like that. Definitely. So a lot of the spaces that you're in historically have been not entirely in terms of population, but in terms of like paid work and what's considered quote unquote professional work have often been dominated by often wealthy white identities. And frankly, they still are currently, especially in a place like Portland. These quote unquote traditional artistic spaces like yours are often prone to gatekeeping um, and efforts to maintain the status quo, maintain how it's always been done. What has been your experience breaking into those spaces and showing those spaces that that's not the only method as somebody that is from a marginalized community and identifies that way and uses that identity in your work? Yeah, that's definitely an excellent question. When I started ballet, I technically started it late. I was 17 when I started doing it seriously. I had my want to do that early, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But yeah, and technically I started gymnastics when I was seven, but even still that's late because most people start when they're three and then they go on the track of like, okay, I start when I'm three and then I do the little kid classes and then I move up to the more advanced classes and I just follow that stepladder, I guess you could say, of like structure and everything like that. And then a lot of the time people will come from backgrounds where they have parents who can pay for training and classes and things like that. A lot of the time too, for me, I was grateful and, you know, lucky enough to have two very supportive parents who were able to support me with classes and training and things like that. Sometimes though, there were some, for example, ballet summer intensives that I wasn't able to go to because they were out of state and it would have been a lot of money for me to stay in a dorm somewhere. Or, you know, there's a summer program at this contemporary dance company that I wasn't able to go to because it would have just been way too expensive. And there have been some companies that I wanted to audition for, but they require that you have to have a degree in dance that you had to get at a four-year university. And little things like that have prevented me from being able to basically join certain companies or even audition for certain companies because I didn't follow these specific set of rules that most places kind of require you to follow to join their professional companies. And so that was some stuff that I ran into, like dance-wise. I feel like a little bit. Sometimes it can be kind of privileged. But yeah, it's been tough. <laughs> yeah, I think oftentimes we don't talk about just how much privilege there is in terms of being able to work in a creative field and often the kind of generational wealth that it requires either to get started for places like that, but also to just even get through time in your 20s. Even if you got the degree and went through all of that, you still have to get into the company and like hope that you're paid well enough to sustain yourself. And I think that can be really harmful and really limiting and often is what keeps people 
out of even aspiring to those sorts of careers. So in your opinion, how does the sort of gatekeeping in these spaces impact how folks perceive your success, especially in industries that do often require the approval of others through auditions, through submissions, through what puts sells? How does that impact what you're able to do and how you're able to move forward? Yeah, it's just, um, it has definitely proved a challenge in being able to basically be seen, I would say, especially moving on to writing. In the writing community, in the writing world, a lot of the times it has proved to be a challenge for like being published or something like that. I've, I've actually run into some presses that'll be like, oh, if you don't have like this way of writing, or if you don't follow this specific structure of poetry, or like if you don't have like a degree or, you know, things like that, then we'll probably consider other pieces before considering yours. And I don't know. Yeah. That's kind of like an extreme, but I've seen places that will actually have those kinds of requirements. It's hard too, because I've spoken to other people who've run into these kinds of issues too. And it's like, there's so many amazing artists out there, so many amazing dancers and so many amazing writers. And they just don't meet like these very specific and particular criteria that have been set and like that have been here for like decades and decades <laughs> and they just don't like fit into these like boxes that we've put in here for each other if that makes sense you know we can still express ourselves artistically without having like followed all these steps and all these rules that have been laid out by other people and it's like that's kind of the thing about art is like we can kind of reshape rules and like remake things and the submissions process like I was just talking to someone about this recently but like the word submission by itself is just kind of a weird word like submitting a written piece to something I don't really like saying that like oh I just submitted a piece like submitted for your approval please <laughs> approve my piece like yeah I don't know just that whole process I've just been thinking about it recently and the whole gatekeeping thing is just starting to wear on me a lot lately too. So <laughs> yeah, obviously I work in a creative field, a different creative field in terms of x-ray and radio and audio production. But I feel like you see this so much of people that say that things must be this way. They've always been done this way, but they don't stop to interrogate why, or like if they even like it themselves, like does a submission structure work for them? Um, is it something that actually gets the desired outcome? And I think it's something that we should be interrogating more. If you are just tuning in, I'm Nina Dabbitt. You're listening to X-Rays Amplify Women Teach-In. I've been talking with writer and dancer Zaji Cox on the experience of identifying from a marginalized community in the arts. I think going off of those those themes of like who gets to fit into certain spaces and the folks that do supposedly make it through into spaces that are dominated by these sorts of structures that are that were frankly designed to keep people out often means that like they are the few that have been accepted and that have found themselves able to make it there but oftentimes you have to give up parts of yourself in order to get to the space where other people approve or where they accept you so do you find yourself expected to give up parts of yourself to meet the definition definition of acceptance to those in power? And what does acceptance mean to you in those spaces in a world that is defined by those structures? Yeah, that's also a really great question. It's also a hard thing to think about too, because that has been like a small thing kind of in the back of my head sometimes. Even when composing written pieces, I'll think sometimes... <laughs> I'll try to keep myself from doing this when starting a new written piece, but sometimes I'll catch myself thinking like, can I see this being published in like this literary magazine or like this poetry journal? Like if I try to submit it, like it'll kind of 
subconsciously like tweak the way I'm writing. And I have to be really careful not to make it portray, like if it's a nonfiction thing specifically, I have to try not to like portray myself as more of one thing than another. And I've also been thinking a lot about like tokenizing lately, especially like tokenizing myself and like trying to not be like more of one thing than the other. And I know people are trying to obviously nowadays doing more with like, you know, being diverse and like emphasizing marginalized voices and things like that. So I'm trying not to be more like, oh, I am mixed race. Hello. So here, let me write about this experience and how it is definitely affecting my life here. Let me tell you all of these things. It's been such a challenge. Look at how much of it, like, you're not trying to like put myself on display, if that makes sense. And like, because of course it has obviously it's figured into my life in a lot of different ways, but I also have to like maintain that balance of like not making it a lack of better word, a spectacle (laughs) for others to kind of read too. So it's been an interesting process trying to have to maintain that balance between like portraying my own truth versus making myself more than what I actually am. Yeah. Tokenization in Portland is not just a fact, it's a feature of the landscape. I know that I personally have often been incentivized to tokenize myself in like ways that should not apply to me as like a very white passing mixed person. And it's like, this is not my space, please stop. But also it's like, okay, you're only going to talk to me if I actually like, basically you have to like pull the like black or brown card in a lot of places. And that's not cool. Um, I don't know how else to say it, but Portland really makes it so. Um, I think a lot of that has even gotten worse specifically in the last year and a half after BLM became part of the more like central zeitgeist for Portlanders as they like try really hard to make folks that are marginalized be amplified and make sure that they're actually being heard, but within it, don't bother to get them out of the box of, hey, you can only talk about race and we really want to hear you talk about race. So I'm wondering, you talked a little bit about being incentivized to tokenize yourself by these institutions, but how has that affected what work you take on or what you write about, or even just like how you've manifested itself creatively in terms of what you produce or even what mediums you're working in? Yeah, I think just kind of going back to being able to kind of maintain that balance and just take a step back and ask myself, what am I putting on display? And what am I staying true to (laughs) with myself? I do know a lot of people who are actually wanting to publish and help like expose and things like that. People of color, people who are of marginalized communities, neurodiverse people. Like I know a publisher personally who is really good at doing that sort of thing without wanting them to be like the token person to talk about this one experience and nothing else. And, you know, she's really fantastic at doing that sort of thing. And so, yeah, just being able to know people who are like that and like, you know, being able to tell when they are authentically wanting to emphasize your voice rather than just like wanting you to be another voice that they can be credited with, like, emphasizing just so they can like give themselves a pat on the back too but it's definitely you know like I said still a it is still a challenge trying to find those sorts of things but um yeah I think too that's kind of why I moved more into like solo dance performance 
in particular, because then I can have like a lot more control over like what I perform and um, I don't have to go through like any auditions processes or anything like that. And I can portray whatever character I want. I don't have to be like the exotic one or like the one token person of color, you know, that sort of thing. Um, so I just don't have to run into any of that when I'm performing by myself. Um, and, you know, of course, I've also met a lot of really excellent other people who I can perform with dance wise. And so, yeah, just being able to like identify the people who are authentically wanting to perform with you, like publish you, everything like that versus, you know, the ones who are not quite so much like that. And then just being like, oh, thanks for the opportunity, but uh, no thanks for right now. <laughs> If any of that makes sense. <laughs> uh, it totally does. I think you bring up a really interesting method, which is quite literally just like forge the path yourself and like go solo. I know you've also self-published multiple books, right? I think one's a collection of poetry, one's a novel. Having to go solo has its own challenges too, right? It presents a lot of freedom but at the same time, like the ability to get paid for your work, which I think is really undervalued when it comes to artistic spaces of like, you're just supposed to enjoy it. And this is supposed to be your passion. It's like, well, um, I also need to eat and I need to pay rent. And <laughs> none of these things should not be valuable and valued just because you're an artist, because frankly, people are consuming. But I want to know in terms of, so you've gone solo in a lot of ways, but what steps do you think that the industry is whole, either in dance or in the public? industry, what does your industry need to do to get past some of those instances of bias or just even begin to address what that looks like in even amplifying and, and putting out work like yours that, that talks about experiences like yours? Definitely having people of color slash marginalized individuals as the gatekeepers, quote unquote, themselves. <laughs> so having them be, for lack of a better term, the ones in charge. <laughs> I think that's definitely at least one of the ways I've seen that um, has worked pretty well. I know a really wonderful individual who publishes pieces for an online, it's not like a journal, it's like a, I'll say an online publication. And he's just like, send me anything and I will publish it. If you're a person of color, just send me anything because I just want to have people of color to have a platform and there's no submissions process or anything. Like if you are a person of color, if you identify as a person of color, he will just publish it like no matter what and so just having more people like that just in general like without having to go through a process without having to follow a certain like set of rules things like that I think that that's definitely a good step to take and yeah and I feel like I've seen this kind of starting in the dance world too like having people lead in these types of roles too just like having them at the helm of these projects and things like that um, I think that's definitely a good way to start taking these kind of baby steps toward <laughs> making these impactful changes too especially when are in multiple dance mediums but especially in things like ballet that are who should play a lead doesn't need to be the exact same person as who would have played it when they wrote it hundreds of years ago okay we are coming right up on our time but i want to make sure is there anything i didn't ask you that i should have or anything you'd like to leave listeners with yeah honestly i just want people to know that it's okay to do things differently for, I would say most of my life and most of my artistic life, I wanted to so closely follow rules so that I could be seen basically. And I'm learning that it is okay to kind of go against things every now and then. And it's okay to want to forge your own path and it is okay to 
do things your own way. And mostly I would say that's like just the spirit of art too, not to get a like, ooh, about it, but uh, that's kind of like the the core of art is self-expression and being able to just like be your true self. So yeah, just don't be afraid to just do things the way that you're going to do them. And I wrote fantasy stories just because I wanted to, and it was great and people liked them. And I wasn't talking about like, you know, things like struggling through you know these experiences obviously I wrote because I wanted to write about those things too like oh growing up as someone who was you know not neurotypical and those kinds of challenges that came along with that I obviously wrote about those too and that was very important to me but also I was someone who liked to write you know stories about talking cats and like little squirrel friends and things like that too so I just like to write about different things and that's okay, you don't have to do just one thing. There's not one way of doing things. You can do all kinds of different things and be yourself. (laughs) Advice for the ages. How can listeners find out more about your work? Yeah, I actually have a website. It's just dajitheartist.com. So you can definitely head over there and I have all my written pieces linked there and my Patreon and my YouTube and you can see all my dancing stuff there. And I'm on Instagram too. Just the same thing. Zaji the artist. Yeah. I would say those are the two main places you can find me messing around with dancey videos and little short clips of writing. <laughs> well, awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time today. For all those listening, I'm Mina Dabbitt. I'm X-Race Development Manager. And even listening to X-Race Amplify Women Teach-In, I've been talking with writer and dancer Saji Cox on the experience of identifying as somebody from a marginalized community in the arts and forging your own path. Stay tuned to hear more impactful stories from leaders, changemakers, artists, and more as part of our fifth annual Amplify Women Teach-In. Radio is yours.